Hey guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and uh, we are going to dive into Tuesday night's action in SEC basketball before we look ahead uh, to Wednesday night's games. Uh, but we do start with the four games uh, on the slate from Tuesday night. Several of them wound up being pretty close games, three of the four actually. Um, and we start uh, with the first one, which was Tennessee getting a 65-61 win against Vanderbilt. Uh, the biggest takeaway from this game was that Rick Barnes was not happy with his team's offense, and uh, he said as much. Uh, had quite a, an animated halftime interview with uh, Alyssa Lang of the SEC Network. Um, he made it clear he was not happy with how his team was playing offense. Uh, they didn't necessarily play a ton better, I think, in the second half. They did have one rally uh, late, and there was just one stretch in there where Tennessee was able to kind of blow open the lead uh, right before Vanderbilt came back and made it very interesting. Uh, you know, with with a couple minutes left, I mean, they they rallied and almost completed uh, another you know sort of weird comeback in SEC basketball this season, which would not have been a surprise. Uh, but uh, it was one of those games where I think both teams were frustrated with how they played for the majority of the game, and you saw some of those you know, runs here or there, uh, but it was Tennessee getting the win, and it's one they had to have. Uh, still wasn't great, you know, offensively in the second half, as I mentioned, in terms of, of what Rick Barnes was talking about, but John Fulkerson was the key again, and we've talked about him here on the show, being uh, the key to their success in terms of what he can do, and he had 16 points in the second half, and I thought that was sort of the difference uh, in terms of having him play well. And, and that's you know that's how Tennessee's going to be able to win. I mean, certainly there's lots of guys that, that have to be able to contribute, but I think Fulkerson has sort of turned into that guy where th- they need him to be you know a key contributor every single night uh, because of his size, what he can do in the paint, uh, all of those different things. And I think he he's starting to sort of you know, expand his game some too as well, and that's helping the Vols, uh, you know, pick up wins like this. Even if they're not pretty, um, it's one that they had to have because now we look ahead to Tennessee's five-game stretch, which we've talked about a lot. Um, It's going to define their NCAA tournament hopes. When you look at their last five games of the season, all of them are quality win opportunities at this point, Um, and, and that's going to be a potential big boost for this team in terms of trying to build a resume to where potentially they go into the SEC tournament having a chance uh, to at least play their way in uh, to the NCAA tournament. Um, on, on the other side, just quickly, you know, Vanderbilt, I mean, you talk about a team that's come a long way. Um, you know, I noted this on Twitter. You think back literally a month ago when they played Tennessee the first time, that was a couple games after Aaron Neesmith's injury. Um, and, you know, they scored a season-low 45 points in that game. They had their three-point streak broken all the things that went against them literally just a month ago. Uh, and now you see how far they've come. They've beaten LSU, who was previously you know undefeated in the league at the time. They've had two second-half double-digit leads against Kentucky, who right now is the best team in the conference. Um, and, you know, they almost have a chance to, to get this win here in Knoxville. And so it's clear that this Vanderbilt team certainly, um, you know, one of the most improved teams in the SEC, if not, you know, the most improved when you think about where they were to where they are now. Um, it's It's been impressive. And that's why I think you have to give these players, you have to give Jerry Stackhouse and his staff a lot of credit 
because th they have made a lot of strides just literally in a month of play. Um, and, and that's another team where, you know, I'm not saying Vanderbilt's going to go win an SEC tournament title, but uh, they're one that I think if you, you play them knowing now that uh, this isn't the Vanderbilt team that was maybe getting blown out last year uh, or the team that was right after Aaron Neesmith's injury really, really struggling. Uh, they, they've come a long way, and I think that's a big positive for the future for this program because um, you know they're they're making strides, they're improving, and, and they're just tough. And I think they're you know it's we talk about you know that toughness is such an important part at times of sports in general. I mean they have a toughness that as young as they are, they have played a lot of young guys that they, they still don't back down from anyone. And, and as we saw in this game, you know, almost making a comeback that, that would have just been unbelievable. Um, that's just kind of the, the, the mindset they have now. That's their identity. And uh, the Commodores certainly seem to be heading in the right direction. Um, next up, we had Florida at 73, Arkansas 59. Uh, the Hogs made a big run in the first half, and you thought that maybe, you know, that was the spark they needed to have a chance to potentially win this game. Uh, and once again, as if Arkansas wasn't going to make it interesting, they played so many close games. Uh, but this one wound up not being as close. And I think this is where you saw a scenario where, you know, we, we once again saw a situation where, you know, Arkansas right now just doesn't have the depth and they're wearing down in some of these games late. And I think that's allowing their opponent to sort of make their move. And that's what we saw here with Florida. Because I think, you know, at times Florida didn't look great in this game. I mean, they had some stretches defensively where I didn't think they guarded very well. Um, but for, for the most part, this was still another game from Florida where you're seeing them start to understand what they have to do to win. And I think, here's what I think. I mean, again, I, there's a reason why I'm talking to you guys on a podcast and I'm not coaching basketball somewhere um, and getting paid millions of dollars to do it. But, um, you know, I, I think Florida hopefully is starting to understand just from watching them play that they are a much better team when they try to attack the rim, when they have Andrew Nembhard you know, beating players off the dribble and making plays for himself or for others, then they are just shooting jump shots. And I think we've seen that a lot with this Florida team where if they can just continue to have that attacking mentality, I think they're going to be able to win a lot of games here moving forward because they just have to sort of have that aggressive mindset. And if they can do that, um, I think they're they're a team that we have to watch out for and once again say that could be a potential second weekend tournament team because now you know they've won three in a row here and they've won them by 14 points or more and so they're they're clearly in that spot where they're understanding what they have to do to win games consistently and they're doing what works and that's what you have to keep going back to you have to just go to what works and them attacking the rim, uh, having guys that have that aggression rather than just settling for jump shots, I think that's the key to Florida success. You know, Keontae Johnson had 24 points in this game, but he got to the free throw line 17 times. That's a positive. Um, you know, Andrew Nimpart had 17 points. He only had one three-pointer. I mean, he only attempted one three. So, you know, that's what we're looking at with this Florida team. And I think, you know, one of the things you look at here is that, you know, Arkansas is struggling, I think, to, to guard some of these guys off the dribble. And you heard Eric Musselman talk about that. 
uh, after the game in that they're just they're struggling to stop some of these really really good guards off the dribble and I think that's what's hurting Arkansas too especially not having Isaiah Joe on the floor and of course now they're 0-5 without him on the court uh, Mason Jones just continued his his warrior uh, play in terms of I mean he played the entire game um, and you know the, the thing is too in this game Florida won it with Kerry Blackshear essentially being a non-factor um you know and I you know saw people talking about it I mean he could have had one of his worst games he's had certainly in a Florida uniform but maybe you know one of the worst ones in his college career in terms of just from a production standpoint um because let's think about this he only played 12 minutes in this game he only scored two points he had five rebounds and he had six turnovers and four fouls which some of those uh, were on charges or on offensive fouls, of course. So um, think about that too. Florida winning a game like this without him doing much, and, and that's something where, and quite frankly, you know, even over the last little stretch here, um, he's had some games not to this extent, but you know, from a scoring standpoint, I mean, he he hasn't really had a ton of scoring uh, like he did maybe earlier in the season. Um, and so that that's something to keep an eye on too here with Florida. Um, you know, how, how does he continue to maybe get back on track offensively and how does that help them maybe add another punch? But overall, uh, this is a good win for the Gators. Uh, it put, Ar- put Arkansas at 4-9 in SEC play. And now, you know, they're in that point where a lot of people are going to talk about, well, how's the committee going to view Arkansas without Isaiah Joe versus with Isaiah Joe? I think at this point, it's it may be a, a conversation that you're not even having because you have to find a way to win games, whether he's on the court or not. They just have to win at this point because they're not going to be able to, you know, be in a spot where they go 6-12 and 12 in league play or something and still have that conversation. That's just not going to happen. So they've just got to find a way to win some games. Uh, of course, easier said than done at this point uh, for the Hogs. But uh, coming up next, uh, we look at uh, two teams that are red hot right now, uh, and they both got wins on Tuesday night. And these two teams uh, playing as well as anyone, and I don't think there's any doubt about it. And we'll get into them uh, coming up here next on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And speaking of teams that are playing really well right now, Missouri gets a 71-68 victory over Ole Miss. Um, A fun game. I know a frustrating game maybe for people who had to uh, watch a lot of free throws being shot. Um, And just for the record, I noted this on Twitter. 132 free throws have been shot in the last two games at Mizzou Arena uh, there. So uh, Missouri, a team that tends to play these types of games where we see a lot of free throws being shot. Um, I know that doesn't make sometimes for, for pretty basketball, for people who like to see the the fast, free-flowing type of game. Uh, but there was also probably an equal frustration uh, with SEC officiating, which is uh, nothing new at this point, uh, when you look around on social media and uh, all the reactions in some of these games. Um, but it is a big win for Missouri. And these were the two teams we talked about in the preview that are, you know, could certainly make the case they're playing as well as anyone in the SEC. And, you know, this was one of those games where we went in looking at the three point full goal defense. We said, hey, these are two of the best at it in the country. And they both struggled to shoot the three. So that, that trend continued here in that, uh, you know, both teams played well on the perimeter. But the one standout, as we know, um, you know, and, and that's not even mentioning Bree and Tyree, who was certainly a standout and always is. Uh, but the biggest takeaway from this game was Xavier Pinson. 
who has become quite a player at this point. Uh, And we've seen what he's been able to do here. 32 points, a career high. And now he scored 24 or more in three of the last four games for for the Tigers. Um, He has been the difference. There is no other way to put it. Uh, He's been fantastic. And I was joking with someone on Twitter um, about, you know, maybe we're just going to have to start. Uh, They were pushing for the uh, the Xavier Pinson SEC Player of the Year campaign. And uh, maybe we'll have to get that as a a sponsor here on the show but uh in all seriousness uh he has just been a lot of fun to watch and seeing him come along like he has i mean it's it's given this team the boost that they've needed um you know they they've now won three or four overall they've won four straight home games certainly a much better team at home and but that's what you have to do and we have to keep that in mind you know to make strides in the sec you have to be able to hold serve at home and i think missouri's starting to do that and that's what's helping them you know, gain some traction here. The record is still five and eight in league play, but uh, there's no doubt that they're playing with as much confidence and momentum as anyone. Even in that game against LSU, uh, they had every opportunity to win that game in Baton Rouge, and so they they're playing as well as anyone the past couple weeks, and um, that makes them very dangerous heading into this stretch run of the season. Um, I think we'll learn more about Missouri probably in their next two road games because they're both very different type of games. They've got to go to Arkansas, and they've got to go to Vanderbilt. Um, you know, Arkansas in essentially a, a must-win situation. Every game feels like it for them at this point. Uh, but they're going to, you know, Missouri's going to go in there knowing that they're going to play a team that is in desperation mode. And then, you know, they go to Vanderbilt. Like we said, Vanderbilt as improved as they are. Uh, that's still a tricky road game for Missouri, no matter how well they're playing. Uh, so these two road games, I think, tell us a lot about whether – you know, Missouri, are they going to be a team once they get to Nashville that we have to keep an eye on? Are they going to prove that they can play play that well on the road consistently? Because they did it in their last road game at LSU. Now let's see how they do it in these next couple games. If they can, uh, they are definitely a team that you have to put in that role of saying, okay, there's your potential SEC tournament title type of sleeper, a team that can make it to the championship game uh it could be them of course we don't know what the draw is going to be but uh could very well be a team like missouri because they're playing really well and uh their ability you know to, to be much better on offense with xavier penson playing like he's playing uh this is a fun team to watch on the flip side i still think old miss is going to be a factor um they had their chances to win this game you know they made a nice rally there late uh and to, to be able to, to come back and have an opportunity but I still think both of these teams are going to be in the mix, and this game didn't really change my opinion on either of them uh, because you know I, I think they're just both playing really well right now, and Missouri uh, more so after getting the victory. Uh, but these are two teams without question uh, that could spoil the party for some of the teams in the SEC tournament. Uh, and then the main event, uh, Kentucky gets a 79-76 win against LSU. Um, this was one of those games, I think, that shows you what Kentucky is capable of And I think this is one that's going to make a lot more people pay attention to Kentucky and say, okay, we weren't really sure if this team was capable of making a Final Four type of run this season, but this is the type of game I think you see that it is certainly a possibility because there there were different things going in their favor. And I think it was sort of a one-two punch here for the Wildcats. Uh, For starters, they had incredible scoring balance, and that's what they have to have. They can't just have one guy here or there you know, that's scoring 25 points uh, and then some of the other guys struggling. If they get everyone going on the same night, 
they're hard to beat, and it's going to be hard for anyone to beat them because talent-wise, we know the talent's there. They have a ton of talent on that roster, and when it all comes together on the same night, they're just not easy to beat. And you saw that. I mean, just the great scoring balance they had in this game, and then, you know, you look sort of how it played out. Emmanuel quickly now has scored He's scored double digits in 15 straight games. He's had 17 or more in six straight games. He's been the key here uh, for them sort of, you know, being able to win games like this because the way he's progressed from a scoring standpoint has been very impressive. Uh, I know Ashton Hagen's left this game late. Uh, I think they called it a left thigh contusion. Um, but, you know, just getting the win, all, all things considered, going on the road uh, in a game that was going to certainly factor into the SEC regular season title race, and to get a win, uh, no matter how you slice it, it's a great win for Kentucky. And, and going back to something we mentioned too, and, and this was something else in the preview, um, talking about Kentucky's difference in terms of three-point shooting at home versus on the road. And this came up again, and I didn't know if it was just a weird stat, a weird trend that you see, uh, but it was once again on full display here because Kentucky, you know, shoots it very well from three. They were seven of seven from three-point range at one point in the second half. I mean, they made their first seven threes in the second half. And so if Kentucky is shooting like that from the perimeter, which, I mean, if you're LSU – LSU, yes, they are still have a lot of problems on defense, and we saw that at times in this game because they they rebounded it well offensively, and that's something that we looked at as a key to the game. They had a lot of offensive rebounding. They had second-chance points, but they still gave up some opportunities on defense that they probably shouldn't have, and I think that's going to continue to be the thing that holds this team back where they've got to find a way to be more consistent on defense, and that's just – we've repeated that so many times at this point, but uh, it's just the way it is right now, I think, for the Tigers. They have to get better on defense, but at the same time, you know, you, you just don't expect Kentucky to, to shoot the way they have – from the perimeter, especially away from home. But as we're seeing the numbers start to look at it, it's just getting more and more obvious that for some reason this team just shoots the three a lot better when they're on the road. And like I said, I mean, to start the second half, you know, making seven straight three-pointers, you know, it's just that's not something you expect to see from this Kentucky team. But if they're doing that, I don't know how you guard them. I don't know how you beat them uh, because we know they have a game where you have guards that can attack the rim. They can get to the free throw line. You know you have big guys inside that can score it off of offensive rebounds. And then if they're just adding a three-point element, um, it's just what do you do? How do you you approach that from a defensive standpoint? I'm not really sure, but we saw this as one of those games where if Kentucky's clicking, uh, they are going to be a team that can go a long way in March uh, if they can shoot it the way they did in this game and if they can get that type of scoring balance uh, like they had. Just a very, very impressive win for the Wildcats and now uh, continue to be in control uh, of their you know, their situation at the top of the SEC standings. Uh, that was a big win, and now you know LSU falls a couple games back, uh, but the Wildcats playing very, very well right now. And uh, this was, you know, potentially one of their most impressive wins uh, of the season just based on how they play. Uh, But coming up, uh, we look ahead to Wednesday night's games in the SEC. Uh, Three games on the slate, uh, including uh, one big matchup that, uh, you know, will once again have bubble uh, implications in terms of uh, these two teams trying to play their way into the NCAA tournament. We get into that next here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of the Locked On podcast network. 
And we jump into uh, Wednesday night's action. We start with Auburn heading to Georgia uh, in a game where, you know, look back at the first game these two teams played. Um, you know, it was it was an interesting one because you had some stats that sort of stood out. Uh, Georgia got to the free throw line 33 times in that game at Auburn Arena, but they only made 17 of them. So that didn't really help a whole lot. Uh, you look at, at sort of the, the balance for, from Auburn in that game. You had seven Auburn players score at least seven points. Um, and, and now looking at this matchup, so you take away some of the things from that and you look at this matchup. You know, Isaac Okoro's availability is something that is uh, the biggest question of all because, uh, you know, I think Bruce Pearl said, you know, he's going to travel with them, uh, but is he going to play? We don't know. And really, when you look back at that first game, stat-wise, Isaac Okoro didn't have a ton of stats. I mean, he had seven points. He had three blocks. He didn't have any rebounds. Um, So statistically, you know, it wasn't one of his best games I guess you could say just from a stat standpoint uh, now we know he made you know he made plays in other ways and that's just that's his game uh, he's going to make defensive plays he's going to do things that don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet but having him on the floor would, would make you feel a lot better about Auburn's chances you know if he's at, at 100% ready to play um, but otherwise I think we're, we're still at that point where I would like to see Auburn play better on the road and you know, how do they play away from home? Uh, that's where we start to have those questions about Auburn, you know, because we're seeing a team like Kentucky, uh, while they lost at Auburn, uh, we're seeing Kentucky pull out some of these other games that they played. That's what you want to be able to see from Auburn is that they need to be able to prove they can do that. And yes, they've had some of these overtime wins and they've been important to their resume. Uh, but uh, if you want to put Auburn on that same sort of level with Kentucky right now, as both teams stand, um, you know, you want to see him come out and be able to get a victory here and do it in a way that they should because Georgia just hasn't been a team that's been very reliable. They haven't been consistent. Uh, certainly two areas that I think Auburn's going to be able to try to attack here, the turnovers and the three-point shooting. That's a good, you know, approach, and I don't know how many threes we'll see from Georgia because they're just not a good three-point shooting team. But the turnovers, too, if Auburn can force turnovers, uh, you think the Tigers should be in good shape here. Uh, Both teams just don't shoot it well from the perimeter, so this could be another game, you know, where you see a lot of attacking, uh, knowing that Anthony Edwards, he's going to try to do that. And, you know, who steps up for Georgia around Anthony Edwards? That's another question, too. Uh, But overall, I mean, Auburn's the better team here, and uh, they should be able to win this game, but I think you still have that hesitation in the back of your mind when you when you break down a game like this because we've just seen sort of time and time again at this point that that Auburn just they struggle away from home and sometimes they don't put their foot on the gas like they should in some of these games so I'll go uh, Auburn 75 Georgia 70 uh, maybe a little closer than people would expect because I just I don't really know what to expect from from maybe either team here in this scenario knowing that Auburn's coming off of that double digit loss at Missouri and and certainly this is a different situation. I mean, Missouri's playing a lot better than Georgia is right now. These are two teams that are heading in opposite directions. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Georgia still has Anthony Edwards, and they still are in a spot here where you could see them uh, come out and try to prove that, that they're they're better than their record shows. Uh, but we'll see. I still think Auburn uh, should be able to find a way to win this game. Uh, they just have to be able to get one of these types of wins and maybe do it in a, in a sort of dominant manner uh, if they want to build that confidence uh, when they're playing games uh, away from home. So next up, Texas A&M is at Alabama. Um, this is one and I, I've continued to talk about with this one. 
you know, this is a potential letdown spot for Alabama, and there's no there's no doubt about it. I mean, think about the emotions, all the different things we took away from that, that win against LSU, uh, the Herbert Jones performance. Um, this is one of those games, I think, historically – Alabama, you know, finds its way back into the NCAA tournament conversation. I think still, you know, they're the second team out or something in Joe Lenardi's latest bracket. Uh, But this is a game where we've seen at times Alabama maybe have a letdown, and they just cannot afford to do that. Not when you're right where you are on the bubble. Um, You're playing a team that is nowhere near the NCAA tournament. Alabama can have a letdown here because we have seen that in some of the situations, I think, in the past. But – you know, you look at the way this team plays, uh, you feel like they're going to be able to find a way uh, to at least keep their momentum going. And it has a lot to do with how these two teams play on offense. And this is a huge clash of styles when it comes to offense. Um, Alabama is third nationally in average offensive possession length, while Texas A&M is 332nd nationally in average offensive possession length. So uh, two teams that want to try to play the game at their pace and you know this is a type of game where if Alabama can control the tempo and make this their type of game I just don't see a situation where Texas A&M is going to be good enough on offense to win a game like this against a team like Alabama now knowing that the Aggies again they play very physical they're an aggressive defensive type of team Uh, they're not going to allow Alabama to have a ton of easy shots uh, but if this becomes a, a shootout type of game, uh, I just don't think Texas a and is in a spot where they are reliable enough on offense. And they've, I mean, the numbers sort of support that. I mean, think about it. Think about if we get this scenario in this game where let's say Alabama gets, you know, a big double digit, let's say 15 point lead or something, and Texas A&M has to find a way to shoot its way back into the game. Well, the Aggies are 351st nationally in three-point percentage at 26%. So this is not a team statistically that should be able to shoot their way back into a game. Uh, And that's why I think for Alabama, the, the key to victory is very simple. Just play your tempo, play the type of game that you've been playing because that gets you the success that you've had. Um, and, and I just feel like this is one where, look, Alabama is playing, you know, we said this about so many different SEC teams at this point, but it's true. I mean, Alabama's playing as well as anyone too. Like they're right there in that group. When you say who are the handful of SEC teams that are playing the best right now. And so if Alabama comes out with that same mentality, they're attacking type of style. Um, you know, they're going to put up three pointers. We know that they have to push the pace here because that's not a game that Texas A&M wants to play. And from a scoring standpoint, you know, the trend suggests that it's just not a game that Texas A&M is going to be able to win. And so I think for Alabama, uh, if they can make it their type of game, as long as they don't get into a grinded out sort of game uh, here, I think the Crimson Tide should take care of business. So I'm going to go Alabama 80, Texas A&M 62. Um, Should be a game that, that Alabama can win uh, because of just how they play. And, you know, that's what we're saying, that they have to be able to play their style. And uh, if they do that, I think the Crimson Tide get another victory here. Uh, we wrap it up with uh, South Carolina heading to Mississippi State. Very intriguing matchup for obvious reasons. Uh, these two teams, you know, trying to play their way into the NCAA tournament. Mississippi State right now a lot closer than South Carolina is, even with the difference in records. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, this this could be your SEC free throw shooting special, folks. I'm just telling you. Uh, it seems like we have one of those games. Uh, every game night is you, you have a game that just you see a ton of free throws. This could be it. And the reason why, as we, we've said before, uh, you know, South Carolina 346 nationally in fouls. They foul a lot. 
And so this could be a game where we see Mississippi State get to the line quite a bit. Um, and, you know, it's one, too, where Reggie Perry could have a big game here because you could see him, you know, Mississippi State try to really feed him the ball and get those free-throw opportunities, get South Carolina in foul trouble. Um, and, and when you look at it, you know, knowing Mississippi State's ability on the offensive glass, too, you know, they're third in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage. So that's another opportunity to get to the free throw line. And knowing that you're doing it against a team that is known for fouling a lot, uh, I think that sets up probably pretty well for Mississippi State in terms of how they want to attack. And, and I think it's underrated, too, in Mississippi State. You know, they are in the top 20 nationally in offensive efficiency, and maybe you don't really think about them in that way uh, in terms of maybe how efficient they have been on offense. Uh, on the flip side, you know, South Carolina – is in the top 50 in defensive efficiency. So uh, that's something where, you know, we're going to see sort of which side can can prove themselves in terms of being able to, to stick to how the trends have been going from an efficiency standpoint. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is, this is one of those games where, you know, you've got – a team like Mississippi State that does does rebound well, but you're playing a team that does have good size. I mean, South Carolina, you know, pretty pretty big team. I mean, they play some guys with some size and length, and so um, it's a this is a really fun matchup, I think, and and it's one like I said where where both teams would really like to get a victory here. I mean, it's it's probably a situation where you know for NCAA tournament purposes, it it kind of is sort of a must win maybe for both teams when you think about it, because Mississippi State can't afford to lose this game. Uh, And then for South Carolina, if they can get a win over Mississippi State, then all of a sudden they vault back onto at least the the NCAA tournament picture. Now, they've still got some work to do because of those non-conference losses, uh, but it's still possible at this point if they can continue to make a run here uh, that they can get in. But it should be a great game. Uh, I would sort of expect it to be a close game. Like I said, I feel like it's going to be one that we could see a lot of free throws in. Uh, but uh, I will go with Mississippi State 77, South Carolina 74. Uh, I like the way both teams are playing, and uh, that should make for a very fun matchup uh, in Starkville. So uh, with that, I'll wrap up uh, this episode of Locked on SEC Podcast. Uh, as always, be sure to subscribe. Uh, go over to any podcast app you use. Just search for Locked on SEC. Uh, that way you will get uh, these episodes sent to you. And uh, most of these episodes usually go up uh, early in the mornings. I know this one's going up a little bit later uh, in the morning. Uh, but most of the time uh, you'll have these early for your ride to work. You can listen to them then, uh, during work, uh, on your way home from work, whatever. I just appreciate you listening. Uh, and I really appreciate all the support thus far here on the show. Uh, you guys have been great with your feedback, uh, your interactions on Twitter. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And as I've said, a lot more exciting stuff on the way, not just in that. SEC basketball, uh, but SEC football, some SEC baseball, and some fun features uh, we're going to add here to the podcast moving forward. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Everything else, just follow me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel. And uh, thanks as always for listening. And I will talk to you guys on the next episode of the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.